there. In episode 51 of this podcast, I talked about the boroughs of northeast London and mentioned that I knew nothing about Redbridge, other than it was where the circle line of the tube network bent north on the map and looped a bit. Well, I've now been there, and furthermore, overnighted there. I emphasise it was only one night, and I wasn't in the borough very long. I stayed in a, well, it was a premier in and all but name, even down to the very similar carpeting, right next to Redbridge Station. Uh, I chose this because it was only a 21-minute ride to Liverpool Street, and the next morning I needed to be at that station early in order to catch the train to Stansted Airport for a trip I will be talking about more in depth on my next episode, so keep listening. Except, I saw slightly more of Redbridge Borough than I'd anticipated, as there was unexpected planned engineering work on the central line, and my 21-minute journey took an hour as I had to catch a bush into Ilford and then the Elizabeth Line over to Liverpool Street. Also the first time I'd caught the Elizabeth Line. Just a fairly nice but ordinary suburban rail service, to be honest. Also, the platforms at Liverpool Street were a long walk from the main part of the station, especially as I was at the wrong end of the train for it. There was a signpost in the station for an entrance to Moorgate Station. Those of you who are London listeners may appreciate just how far away the far end of Liverpool Street's Elizabeth Line platforms are from the rest of the station. That it's only 21 minutes to Liverpool Street makes it attractive, but Laura would rather live in Manchester than Zone 4. Obviously, I don't have to live with Laura, but two young professionals earning just a bit over the national average wage wouldn't be able to afford to live there on our own. But that's a whole other rant that I may get into in a future pod episode. Just be aware we are going to Manchester at the weekend for no reason whatsoever. I really like Glasgow. And now Trans Pennine Express has been nationalised, it might actually be easier to get out of. Anyway, Redbridge has now been ticked off my visited and overnighted list. When I look at most populous places I've never been in the UK, I always pass over the London boroughs and say that the biggest place in the UK I've never been is Plymouth. But I suspect in truth it might actually be Barnet. I didn't check boundaries. If I have, then it's otherwise Medway, which isn't a London borough, just feels like one. Or at least more like one than Sutton. Since my last podcast episode, I have been mostly away. Indeed, I released my episode quite deep into the night on the day before I left, purely so I didn't have to take my personal laptop on my trips away. I had four nights in Cyprus, a night in Stansted Airport, and then several nights in Italy. I arrived back on Tuesday evening and have been very fatigued since. Partly, that's because we've had bright, sunny and warm weather in Glasgow since my return, so I've been taking advantage and going for long walks. I managed 11 miles last Saturday, slightly accidentally, and seven the previous couple of days. I was conscious in Cyprus just how fat I'd become, but interestingly, it's all in the stomach, so I'm hoping my latent fitness will kick in and I'll be able to shift it a bit. For someone of my demographic, I'm surprisingly self-conscious about the way I look, but the reasons behind that are partly why I have a therapist. I don't measure my weight at all, rather I tend to go by what size my clothes need to be to fit me comfortably, which gives me a little bit more leeway, especially with dungarees. But I do have a target weight that I feel is manageable to maintain. I'm nowhere near it, but that's a me problem. Related, my leg still isn't ideal. Now I'm definitely walking well, it aches during and after a long walk, but not to any major extent, and I've returned to close to the speed I'd normally walk at, much to the annoyance of Laura, but I'm very conscious that it's not good for running on yet. Running is a very different style of movement to walking, and even just quickening my pace crossing a road shows my leg can't quite do that yet. It's annoying since it rules out something I enjoy and would work in a fitness sense, but equally, I don't want to push anything till I'm ready. What also may have affected my fatigue is most me and Laura developed colds, or some related bug, while we were away. Laura tested negative for Covid when she came back, but it's that kind of bug, you know, blocked nose, tight throat, occasional cough, sneezes. We think we caught it while at Stansted Airport between trips, or possibly from someone Laura had a beauty session with in Cyprus, but it didn't really affect our trip at all. I'm mostly over it now, although if my voice sounds slightly off, that will be why. Now, 
I wasn't sure what to do this episode on, given that I didn't have time to pre-plan and didn't feel terribly up for doing an episode earlier this week. I did contemplate not doing one at all, but I'm conscious this is allegedly a fortnightly podcast, and it might be nice to pretend that it is every now and then. Of course, also, more content is better, as long as the quality is right. Your mileage may vary on that. It makes sense, therefore, to just talk about the recent trip I had with Laura to Italy, because it's fresh in my mind and doesn't require me to do much admin. I had trouble getting time writing it, so I persuaded V to chat with me about it in our old Twitter space format. Which isn't ideal, but it does at least still seem to work. I did toy with the idea of a chat GPT episode, but <clears throat> I'll be honest, I couldn't think of what to ask outside of describe the advantages and disadvantages of being a barefoot backpacker and or tell me about all the cute cafes in Glasgow Southside. One day I might actually go to the special brew cafe. Today is not that day. Tomorrow it's not looking good either. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Travel Tales from Beyond the Brochure, a podcast looking at unfamiliar places across the world and aspects of travelling you may never have thought of. I'm your host, the Barefoot Backpacker, a middle-aged Denby with a passion for offbeat travel, history, culture and the whys behind travel itself. So join with me as we venture Beyond the Brochure. Are you still letting me talk, Spaces? Hazar, I think you are. Uh, yes. I, I don't know go. what difference being a co-host or a speaker makes, to be honest. But there we go. Uh, I rather, I'd rather, I'd rather you, I'd rather you be a, a um, co-host because then you can handle the admin that I don't want to do. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and speaking of admin, you may want to edit out the beginning of this because the first thing I heard when I became a listener was you shouting penis. <laughs> That was the first thing that I said. <laughs> I always edit. I always edit the spaces. It's fine. Right. Give me a second while I. No, not that. Give me a second while I find the. <sighs> right. Okay. Here we go. I mean, you realise the only reason we're doing this is because I'm lazy. I mean, I think what you mean is we're doing this because you're efficient. <laughs> No, I'm doing it because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> I could have I could have written this by now, but I haven't. And <clears throat> this is the only way I can actually motivate myself to do it. And that's not by writing it at all, but just by doing it completely off the cuff and see how it goes. That's all right. It'll sound nice and natural as a conversation anyway, won't it? <laughs> well, I will pause and hesitate in there a lot. I mean, I've just done a presentation exactly like that about um, travel as a queer person. Oh, excellent. So, Have we done a space on that yet? I feel like it's on our list of things to do. Probably not. Have we? Have we decided what we're doing instead of spaces? Are we still doing spaces? Are we doing something else? I think it, we are. We now have the capability to do lives on YouTube now that we've both got the correct amount of subscribers and stuff. But I will double check that over the weekend and get back to you on it. Groovy. I mean, from my point of view, I don't like the admin I have to do to turn a Twitter space into a um actually to be fair i'd have to do the same amount of admin regardless of how we did it it's just that on a twitter space i'm using my phone and on youtube i'd be using my microphone and yeah and yeah sound better give you better quality sound wouldn't it oh yes and also ooh, i mean if you didn't want other people to listen to it in any case my hosting podcast host provider has the option of 
doing interview type things. Right, that's so we. I sent you the information for that. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. A long time. It was when we were discussing the future of Twitter Spaces. I did actually point this out. Oh well, that that was quite a while ago. I have forgotten everything that we talked about then, but I've got it all written down somewhere. This is why I pay you. Yes. Well, because I write it down. <laughs> Basically, yes. Right. So, should we get on with talking about Italy before I run out of afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Victoria Pearson. You can call me V, and I'm literally just here so that the barefoot backpacker isn't just talking to themselves into a void. And today we are oh, talking like, about... like all of my other podcasts. <laughs> well, you normally have contributions for your other podcasts, don't you? Uh, often. I, I'm just conscious of the fact that more people listen, more people watch my YouTube shorts and listen to my podcasts. Yeah, you have a lot of people watching your YouTube shorts, actually, and I've really enjoyed watching your shorts from Cyprus very unlike you to do an all-inclusive but after you um went to cyprus you then flew straight to italy um so you've just got back from italy why did you choose italy i didn't um essentially what happened was and on my next podcast i will talk about the all-inclusive trip we had to cyprus but essentially what happened was that all-inclusive trip was only four nights long and we're going to blame laura it's always laura so <laughs> I went on the all-inclusive with her, and then she'd booked the whole week off. I'd booked the whole week off, but the all-inclusive trip ended on the Wednesday afternoon. So we flew back to Stansted on the Wednesday afternoon. When we were booking all of this sort of thing, when we were doing the liaison and all of the admin, she then said, well, we've got the week booked off. Where shall we go afterwards? What shall we do for the rest of that week? Because obviously it's a week between two bank holidays, so we had the time. Mm. Um, we were already in, we would already, we will have already would have been in Stansted Airport. Right. I love English, <laughs> I love English grammar. Um, so what Laura did was, well, what Laura did was she looked online to see what flights left Stansted Airport very early on Thursday morning that were cheap and that was somewhere that she wanted to go to. And it turns out that the best option that she found was Milan. So, mm. well, Bergamo. So we um, got cheap flights on Ryanair, obviously, from Stansted to B M Milan Bergamo on the Thursday morning. And we stayed until, well, she flew back on the Sunday and I stayed until the Tuesday because I had planned to fly back on the Monday, uh, which is what, the 8th of May. But then mm -hmm. Ryanair cancelled my flight. Oh. And <clears throat> well, I mean, it turned out nice in the end because the flight that I chose to rebook. I didn't have to pay anything for this and I got a far better seat. Believe me, seat 1A is one of the best seats on a plane. Um, oh, bear that in mind. Yes. You know where 1A is, don't you? Is that the one next to the emergency exit? It's not just the one next to the emergency exit. It is the one next to the front emergency exit. It is the first seat you pass when you walk into the plane on the front, on the front door. So you had all the legroom and got to get off the plane first? Yes. That's awesome. I agree with you. Seat 1A is the seat that I would want to have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. No, so um, what basically what happened is that Ryanair cancelled my flight to Edinburgh on the Monday. One of the issues I have is I live in Glasgow and Glasgow is not the easiest place in the world to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also not the cheapest place in the world to get to. So I daddled around trying to find an alternative. But it turns out that the best alternative was to fly to Edinburgh on the Tuesday. So I had an extra day in Bergamo. Um, but... That's why we chose to go to Italy, because it was a cheap place to fly in Stansted Airport on the Thursday morning. 
What I will say, by the way, is that we both got colds or at least some kind of bug from being in Stansted Airport overnight on the Wednesday mm-hmm. um, because yeah. we were in a very small enclosed area with lots of other people. Who knew Stansted Airport was so popular at three o'clock in the morning? And I bet a lot of people think that it'll be quite dead at three o'clock in the morning and that's why they go then. Yes, and also there's a lot of flights that leave at about six in the morning, mm. um, more than you'd expect. Um, so you have a lot of people in a very small area, and Stansted Airport was quite cold um, yeah. because the only place that was open was near the front doors, um, so it wasn't a particularly pleasant place, and the floor is cold, and obviously we didn't get much sleep, so our immune systems were a bit knackered anyway. Um, well, that sounds horrible. Was the trip worth it? Yes. Oh, well, that's all right then, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, Lake Como, um, yeah. where you visited in Italy, it isn't your usual type of trip, I think it would be fair to say. Um, so, yeah. what, you know, I, I've got an impression of Lake Como as just being a lot of little villages full of tourists, and that doesn't seem very you. So what were you expecting, and um, did it live up to your expectations? I will say that I was expecting, I don't know what I was well, I will say that Lake Como is a lot of very small villages full of tourists. They're very pretty Mm. villages, but we'll come on to that in a minute. What I will say is that when I was younger, right, when I was like, you know, probably late teens, early 20s, and I used to go to travel agents in the days when travel agents existed in real life. And I used to look at the brochures just for inspiration and just because I liked traveling and it was always quite interesting to see what places were available. And there were always coach tours to Lake Como. Well, there was three, there was Lake Como, Lake Maggiore and Lake Garda. And there were always coach tours to them. And I always had this impression, mm, coach tours, I mean, they're going to be full of like, you know, late 50 somethings mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a coach drinking, you know, wine and going to bed at nine in the evening and things like that. It's going to be really interesting. Um, turns out Lake Como is full of um, tour groups and tourists and people over 50. Um, But it's full of lots of other people as well. And the roads around there are not suited for coach travel. I'd just like to point this out. They're very narrow, they're very windy. And on the bus from the town of Como to where we were staying off Lake Como, we got stuck in traffic several times because literally there are places on the road where there is only room for one one vehicle, well, mm-hmm. one direction to go at a time. So you've got policemen there just sort of guiding traffic. Um, yeah. If anywhere needs a motorway, it's there. Um, we should not build a motorway at Lake Como, but it needs one. Just pointing <laughs> that out. Um, but yes, Lake Como. It is not the sort of place that's on my list, but it was on Laura's list. And so Ooh. when she realised that she could get to Milan quite quickly, cheaply on the flight she was like oh we're going to Milan we're going to Lake Como this is going to be really exciting this is going this is, I've always wanted to go here and I was like okay this isn't going to be my sort of trip but let's 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 please the Laura because Laura is worth pleasing um <laughs> but it and she had just done a lot of filming for you hadn't she she had done a lot of filming for me yeah she'd she'd um if you go to my YouTube channel you will see some shorts where I'm in front of camera looking as gormless as usual, talking about my trip to Cyprus. And I even did some in Italy as well, talking about Lake Como. I don't um, think they were out yet, but I think they will be in the next couple of days. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> and so, yes. just to point out to your listeners as well, that's youtube.com forward slash at RTW Barefoot is where they'll find your YouTube. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and, 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 and I am doing... 
I am doing doing daily shorts. So I am posting picture uh, short videos on a daily basis to my YouTube channel because content is king. Well, mm -hmm. I'm not posting it. V is posting it. But, <laughs> um, yes. So anyway. So, yeah. So Laura had always wanted to go to Lake Como anyway um, because she'd always she'd seen pictures of it and she'd always, always wanted to go there because it looked quite nice. Yeah. Um, so we went and it was very much. Uh, <clears throat> OK, so the the all inclusive resort was an experiment, an experience that neither of us had really had. And so let's go to Lake Como for a very different sort of travel, a very different sort of experience and a very different sort of adventure. And let's see how this goes. So did um, you do that more your normal sort of way where you kind of I know you last minute decided you were going there. Did you last minute your accommodation and all that sort of stuff as well? Laura never last minute things. We booked this in January. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to last minute book things because Laura will have my guts for garters, as they say. That's that's the equivalent to somebody booking something 10 years in advance by your usual time scales. <laughs> Well, I mean, one of the things I pointed out was the fact that Ryanair cancelled my flight and I had to, you know, liaise and, and rebook a flight. That would never have happened if I'd booked it last minute. <laughs> um, so where did you actually stay and why did you choose those particular places? Uh, right. So um, we had one night in Milan itself uh, because Laura wanted to see Milan and it's there and it's, you know, it's a big city. Mm. Um, and then we had two nights on Lake Como. So we had one night in a hotel just north of the main central railway station in Milan, which I booked because it was cheap and had twin rooms. Mm. And then um, we booked, well, I booked, she let me in charge of the accommodation. That's a very foolish thing to that do. That was brave. <laughs> that was very brave. She does that an awful lot. Um, <clears throat> she has faith in me that I don't have. And so I then booked two nights in a, I suppose you'd call it a guest house on one in one of the villages on the shores of Lake Como. And it's one of the smaller villages that people don't generally go to. The thing with Lake Como is there's a number of really popular, quite some of them are quite large, but really popular villages where lots of tourists go. Uh, one of them, one of the most famous is the village of Bellagio, mm. um, which is famous in a North American concept because one of the big hotels in Las Vegas is named after it. Yeah. It's the one, if, if, if anyone knows anything about Las Vegas, it's the one with the dancing fountains outside. Oh, I think I might have seen that in some movies and stuff, you know. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those really, really famous um, mm -hmm. spots that culturally everyone's aware of. And uh, I, they're really good fountains, actually. I, I, when I went to Vegas a number of years ago, um, I had endless fun just standing there because they do the music every, every 15 minutes or every half hour. But I, I stood there for about three or four hours just listening to them because the music changes every time. Oh, that, that must be nice if you live fairly local to it, because otherwise you would just get so sick of hearing the same little jingle over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like if you work in that hotel, it would just slowly drive you insane. Um, possibly. But I think if you worked in that hotel, you wouldn't care. It's it. I, I, I want to say that at the time it was built, it was the most expensive, not the most expensive to stay in, but the most expensive costed hotel to build in the world. Mm. And I've been there and had a wee. I have had a wee in the most expensive hotel in the world. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't stay there. Um, but yes. So, yeah, Lake Como um, is full of these small villages. So we stayed in 
one of the small villages that isn't so visited by tourists. Um, yeah. Ostuccio, I think it was called. Um, but the, the whole lake is lined with them. And the thing about it is that they're all connected by bus, but they're also all connected by ferry. And there's ferries that just go between all the small villages across both, well, all three sides of the lake. Mm. Um, and I say all three sides because if you think about it, looks a bit like an upside down Y. So you've got two branches of the lake that meet at Bellagio and then it goes further north as one branch. So you've got boats traversing all the way along all the sides of it. Yeah. On a semi-regular basis. And, and that's the best they... way to get around. Are those boats mostly used by tourists who want to look at the lake or do local people use them as a form of public transport as well? Very much both. Very, very much both. Now, obviously, on the plate, the, the boats around, I mean, Bellagio is actually quite a central location because most of the boats all going in all three directions end up at Bellagio. Um, but most people going to Bellagio appeared to be tourists. But we on our way back to the to Bergamo, we got a boat from Bellagio down to Lecco on the easternmost branch of Lake Como. And that's not that touristy. So pretty much, although a lot of people going to Lecco were tourists, it stopped at several villages along the route. And you definitely, the people getting on and off at those villages were locals. Yeah. Um, so I think locals, locals tend to congregate around Bellagio, Menaggio and Varenna and mm. maybe a couple of the other towns. But certainly the boats are used by locals. Um, and they go to lots of villages that you may only ever come across if you are living in the area for either natively or have been there for a while. Um, yeah. like, the, like the village we stayed in, the village we stayed in, you don't tend to get that many tourists there. Yeah. Um, I just mentioned about public transport there and I was going to ask you about that because whenever you travel, you use public transport because you don't drive and stuff. Um, yes. So. How did you find getting around in Italy was how does the public transport there compare to the UK? That, that sort of thing. I mean, I've been to Italy before. I've not obviously not used the boats on Lake Como before, but I've certainly been to Italy before. It's one of the places I went to on my interrail trip. And mm. we, I was having a discussion with Laura, actually, on, on the coach from the airport to Milan Centre um, about, you know, the country that we countries we visited the most. And for me, obviously, that's France clearly and, and blatantly that's france but i've now been to italy about six times mm. which is quite impressive considering i've never really got on with the country i've never really clicked with it but i seem to have been there more than i've been to most other countries yeah um, uh yeah no it's it's fine i mean we got while we were there we got the coach from bergamo airport into milan which was very easy it's just like you know buy a ticket from one of the stalls in the airport um getting a train uh we just up to Como, we just, you know, it was a simple case of using the, um, the well, I actually used the touchscreen ticket machine in the, in the station. Um, and Milan station is like absolutely huge. Uh, how much was that ticket? The ticket from Milan to Como must have been about five, five euros 80 for an hour journey. And the ticket from Bergam, uh, from Lecco to Bergamo on our way back was about 45 minute journey and was about three euros 80. Good grief. We are getting ripped off in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> the bus up Lake Como from Como to Ostocchio was, I want to say it was about five euros. 
six euros. Yeah. It's actually more expensive, but nah. But and, it actually and the, does mean that the public transport is actually affordable to pretty much everybody there. Uh, really? I mean, it's more affordable than here, but then mm. I was, it's quite interesting. I was looking at how much it costs to, for example, get one of the, get a train or a, or a boat up Norway. And between two towns, which two towns was it? It was, it wasn't Bodo and Tromso. It was uh, somewhere at Halmstad and Tromso. It's about 180 miles and the boat would cost £64. Blimey. Now, that sounds like a lot of money for a, a 180 mile trip. It's the same distance. It's the same distance as Liverpool as as uh, London to Manchester by train. I was going to say I'm pretty sure that it'd be more expensive to do a similar journey on a train in the UK. When the UK becomes more expensive than Norway, you know how bad our transport networks get. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, transport and, and the boats in, on Lake Como were only about sort of um, three or four euro per journey. Now, you, mm. you if you were doing a a journey that required multiple stops, you generally had to buy a ticket for each bit of the journey. So if you're going from, um, say, Menaggio to Lecco, you would have to buy a ticket from Menaggio to Bellagio and then Bellagio to Lecco. But that's yeah. no... The, the, the only snag it sometimes is it's sometimes not clear where the boats are going and also some of the queues at some of the um, ticket desks are quite long. Yeah. But a lot of that's tourism rather than anything about the, the system in general. Yeah, that must be quite frustrating if you're a local trying to use your public transport as well and it's just full of tourists. Yes, yes, I can imagine so. Uh, but then, they, 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 yeah. if you live in a place with a lot of tourists, that's going to happen though, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Now, I'm going to move into a question that might well get you a little bit cancelled, I'm afraid. You might want to edit this one out later, right? But you famously have said that Italian food is meh, and you called pizza cheese on toast with ideas above its station. Um, so what was it like eating in Italy? <laughs> did the food meet your expectations? Did it exceed your expectations? Or did you mostly not eat Italian food when you were in Italy? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, we, we, we ate Italian food almost exclusively in Italy, except for one night that I'll come to at the end. But we ate Italian food pretty much exclusively because, it, you know, it's there and it's, it's easy, it's cheap and it's not bad. Um, mm. My issue with Italian food isn't I, I like it. I just it's I just don't think it's it's all that as other people. I think people. it's a bit overhyped. I think it's overhyped. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean I don't like it. That doesn't mean I won't eat it. And we yeah. ate a lot of it. Um, and was it meh or was it better when you're eating it in Italy? Some of it was pretty good. Some of it was a bit meh, to be fair. But mm -hmm. as we get to some of the more touristy places, um, mm -hmm. eating at. But yes, um, we generally had pizza. We generally had pasta. And one of the things that Laura pointed out, and I, I kind of agree with her, and I know exactly what she means, is that and this is a this is a positive thing it never felt filling but not in the sense of oh I, I i've gone away not hungry what she meant was it was the right amount of food yeah it didn't feel bloated mm. yeah whereas a lot of the time sometimes you have like sort of italian style food here in britain and it's very heavy yeah um but it wasn't over there it was it was it was light and it was quite tasty some of the places we ate were a bit meh but some of the places we ate were pretty good yeah you'll get um, that everywhere won't you where some places are a bit hit and miss 
yeah. Especially in a tourist area. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you don't get much more touristy than Lake Como. Uh, one thing yeah. that I, I mean, will say, is, it, I was going to say, one thing I will say is that they understand the concept of the hot chocolate. We were in <laughs> we were in France last year, and we had endless difficulty getting a decent, thick, gloopy, solidly hot chocolate that wasn't made with water and powder. But pretty much everything in Italy that we had that was hot chocolatey was was proper. It was, you know, it was milky. It was chocolatey. It was thick. It was, this is how you make a hot chocolate, Britain. This is what you should be doing. <laughs> I know. You have strong feelings about hot chocolate. <laughs> hot chocolate is one of the greatest drinks in the world when it's done right. And mm. um, going back to food just for a second, I was just going to say that... Um, you were in quite a touristy area, so was the food more catered towards tourists? Like, for example, um, I know Americans really like uh, a chini alfredo, but in Italy they don't really eat that. But in a lot of touristy areas you can buy it because of American tourists coming. So yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, all, <laughs> pretty much every, everywhere we ate had English menus. Mm. Um, they did offer things like, um, what did they have? One of them had lasagna bolognese was literally how it was called on the menu i would not know what to expect from that dish well most lasagna is bolognese but i That's wouldn't know necessarily... lasagna basically is bolognese with extra cheese yes it's bolognese with 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 flat pasta and cheese um mm -hmm. but i wouldn't have ex i wouldn't expect an italian restaurant catering for italians to call it that that's, that's yeah. kind of what i mean yeah um so, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, granted everything, most places we ate were touristy and catering for not necessarily locals, but that still didn't mean the food wasn't bad. Yeah. Most of the time. Uh, there's anything I was going to mention um, was the most unlikely food. There was, there, was one, there was one time we didn't eat Italian food. Yeah. And that was in Bergamo on Laura's last night where... We walked to the hotel that I was staying in for that night. And because I had to, I was only in there one night because I had to book a different hotel for the second night. But um, we, that particular hotel was in what Laura realized was a highly immigrant area. So she just did a little bit of a search. It turns out in Bergamo, there is a West African restaurant run by people from the Gambia. And oh, Laura spent two years in Senegal in Peace Corps yeah. and she was in a, a village where they spoke the uh, Gambian language of Mandinka rather than the Senegalese language of Wolof, which confuses, it confuses, annoys every single time she goes to a West African restaurant in places like London and, and Glasgow and um, Paris because they either speak English because they're you know, from Ghana or Nigeria or something, or they speak Wolof if they're from Senegal. And she goes, no, I don't speak Wolof, even though I spent two years there. Um, but this was run <laughs> by people from the Gambia. So it was like she was having conversations in Mandinka um, with people in Italy. And I, I found that really surreal. And you've been to Gambia as well, haven't you? Oh, no, you I haven't. Have been to Ghana, no, haven't you? I've been to Ghana and, yeah. and, and places around. Um, I've been to Burkina Faso, where I believe in the very west of the country, they speak a language that's related. Um, mm. But my knowledge of African languages is about the same as my knowledge of European ones. Yeah. I was just wondering if eating West African food had made you want to go back there again. 
Because I know you've been mm. meaning to go back to West Africa for a while, haven't you? Yeah, and there's a chance that I will be in, in, at, at Christmas with Laura, but that's still up for um, planning. That's like 100 years in the future to you. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's my next holiday year at work, so I don't actually care. Um, she cares. But my holiday year expires um, on the 5th of October, because that's when I joined. Ah. So it's a, it's a whole new set of days off for you whole new set of days off what was the weather like when you were there was it already quite warm because i've only ever thought about italy like in the high summer and i know it's very hot then but i've no idea what it's like in the spring <sighs> it was warm it was sunny and then quite a few of the evenings we had a lightning storm oh, no. um, so we had one on our last night in Lake Como that we could kind of just see it in the distance over the other side of the hills. But then on the Sunday night, when Laura was flying back from Bergamo and I was in a hotel thing in Bergamo, um, we had an absolutely stupendously big storm that they delayed her flight. Mm. Because of. So she was on the airline. She was actually on the air on the airplane. And then the pilot said, yeah, no, we're not going to set off now because, well, you can see why we're not going to set off now. Um, <laughs> but it, <laughs> So, yeah, she was not very impressed. Um, to be fair, I'd be much long. happier with that than a pilot that said, look, it looks a bit dicey out there, but we're going to just go for it and hope for the best. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So, yeah, no, that, that was a, a quite spectacular storm. And then I think we had an, another another one the, the day after, not particular, not as big but we certainly had it was certainly i heard the lightning on the monday night as well so we basically had three nights at least where there was a lightning storm and this being italy it was more impressive than you get storms in britain yeah yeah I, I, you put up a video of one of those storms didn't you the one where that delayed yeah. laura's flight and it yeah. did look quite epic yes um it's not the easiest thing in the world to film, but yes, it was. Mm -hmm. It was pretty good. It was. Um, it was quite. Uh, with a if if we'd have had that storm in Lake Como, it would have been spectacular. But the one we had in Lake Como wasn't quite as 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 big because it was further away and it was the other. It was effectively on one of the other branches of the lake. If that had been on the branch of the lake that we were on, it would have been awesome because yeah. the hotel we were in had an, a really because it was quite. The thing with Lake Como is that it's quite hilly. So you've got the lake, but you've got the hills right next to it. So even our hotel that was not that far from the waterfront, was still up a, up quite a steep hill. So we had a good view of the lake. So it would have been mm. a, a really great vista to see the storm passing through. But unfortunately, it went down the other channel. <laughs> and you oh, do yeah. a lot of walking when you're away. And you had injured your knee quite badly a little while ago. Your leg, not your knee, sorry. Um, how did you find going up and down the hills of Lake Homo? Was was that difficult for you or had you recovered enough to be able to cope with it? I mean, I wasn't I hadn't recovered perfectly, but certainly it was a lot easier than it had been if I'd have gone the months before. Mm. Um, so I was still feeling it a bit, but it was nowhere near as bad as it as it had been. So I was it wasn't it wasn't an issue, really. Um, the bigger the bigger issue is because I hadn't been used to walking for so long for so so yeah. long for so long. Uh, I was just getting a little tireder quicker. Mm -hmm. um, so after Laura left, you spent another day in Italy. Were you in Milan then? I was in Bergamo. 
in Bergamo. Um, Bergamo. It, it's not that far from Milan, and it's where one of the airports in Milan is. But it's it's a, a decent city in its own right. It's quite big and quite old. It's got a good old old town up the hill um, with defensive walls from Venetian times. So we're talking. Well, I don't actually know when we're talking, but I imagine it's like you know, 13th, 14th century time when they had all manner of when the Venetian Empire was was quite um, was quite a thing. Mm. Um, it's not a place that I've seen on a lot of like travel blogs and stuff. I think I'd only heard about it when you said that you were going there for the first time. Yes. Um, so what made you choose there? Yeah, that's where the airport was. <laughs> Well, I suppose if you do do a lot of your travelling on public transport, do you, does that mean that you end up staying near an airport quite often? Well, I mean, when I say it's near an airport, I mean, it's like, you know, sort of 20 odd minutes by bus. So it was it, uh, Bergamo Airport is quite near Bergamo City Centre. Um, I looked at taking when once Ryanair had cancelled my flight, and I ended up booking a flight for the next day. I did look around for other places I could visit. But the thing with Bergamo is the only real place that you can visit from it is Milan. There's a lot of places around, but they take a bit of like it was two and a bit hours to Verona, which yeah. was another place that would have been nice to visit because obviously it's historic and they've got the fake Romeo and Juliet stuff. Mm. Um, fake but, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Why fake? Because surely Romeo and Juliet are fake anyway. It's fake because they've um designated oh this was romeo's house this was juliet's balcony the fact that it wasn't actually built until about 1930 oh i see <laughs> um yeah like, um, today i learned they're historical figures what <laughs> i don't know if they're historical figures but where they're but, but <laughs> the places that are advertised as them certainly are not even contemporary even if they were historical uh which they may not be uh, they would not have been in the places that they're assigned to them because they didn't exist. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, is there an equivalent? Um, it would be a bit like saying, this is Robin Hood's house, despite the fact that this house was only built in 1926. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, this so, is the tree that they built their camp in, in the newly planted part of Sherwood Forest. <laughs> basically, yes. Um yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah, no, uh, Verona would have been about two and a, two and a bit hours because I've had to have changed trains, and yeah. so it would have been doable, but it would have been tough. Um, and so I just decided to stay in Bergamo, which is good in hindsight because I had a really the, the cold that I developed from Stansted Airport was really hitting at that point. Yeah. So I was kind of not particularly. I'm not going to say not well because well is the wrong word, but I wasn't particularly feeling energetic. Yeah, um, it was a shame because Bergamo's got lots of hills in it. Um, so yes, that's why it's in Bergamo. I mean, the thing is, I, I, I kind of vaguely heard that Bergamo was a decent place to visit. Um, and one of those places that people generally didn't, I think the reason why people don't go is because they fly in and then go to Milan, which is yeah. a reasonable place to visit. You know, it's a big city with lots to do. So people ignore Bergamo. So um, I can't imagine Milan being a place that you would actively choose to go. I'm presuming that that was mostly driven by Laura wanting to go there, but what was it like spending the day in Milan? Milan's actually quite pretty, um, would you believe? Um, I, I, why, my little knowledge of Milan was that I thought it would be this, you know, sort of fashion capital, everyone would be posh and everything there would mm -hmm. be finance and, and fashion related and there'd be nothing to actually see. 
That's um, my impression as well. But no, it's it's, it's, quite, it's it's a pretty little it's a it's a pretty little city. It's got lots of old buildings. It's got a huge, huge cathedral um, mm. that, that's worth a worth an explore. Um, it's got it's got a few parks. It's got an old castle and fortifications, and you know it's it's Milan is surprisingly a decent place to visit as a tourist. Mm. See, uh, in my head, Milan is just like fashion stuff that's it i wouldn't have yeah. imagined it as being like somewhere that you'd go to look at the architecture or whatever no 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 it, it, it's definitely a place to visit even if you don't like fashion um i mean one thing that i always forget is that milan is obviously because it's italy milan has been inhabited since roman times and it was a big city in roman times so it's always mm. had it's always got that historical connection anyway yeah um, and because of where milan is it just it, it's it's been the, it's been one of those places with big fortifications and castles and it's just been used administratively for a couple of thousand years so um that must have yeah. been interesting for you as a blogger who takes an interest in the history of the place that they are oh this very much so. um yeah and one of my things about italy is that it's a play italy in general it's a, it's a country i've never really clicked with me which is really bizarre because obviously if you're going to go for somewhere for history Italy is not a bad country to go to, <laughs> you know. <coughs> it's not like one of the biggest empires in the world has, was, was created there <laughs> or anything, you know. Well, we mentioned fashion briefly there. I'm going to hit you with a question that I haven't prepared you for, I'm afraid. Um, on this trip and your Cyprus trip, you were presenting a lot more openly queer, shall we say? But I know that Italy is a fairly religious country. And so I was wondering what it was like to visit Italy as a very queer presenting person. Now, it's funny you should ask that, because when I was on Lake Como itself, I was presenting a little bit more. I was still queer, but I was presenting a bit more masculine queer. Um, but the thing we had in Milan, because we kind of stayed overnight at Stansted Airport and blah, blah, blah. Um, neither of us were looking particularly fashionable or elegant. Yeah. Um, and for reasons, for reasons, I actually looked like a minion. So I, I had, I had a. <laughs> a, den, a den, I know your minion outfit. <laughs> den, den, denim blue dungaree shorts and a yellow t-shirt underneath. Um, <laughs> now, of course, one of the places that we went in Milan was the cathedral, and obviously, cathedrals, mm. religious buildings, they have a dress code. Yeah, you um, often have your knees covered cathedral well, I mean with hindsight I probably didn't need to but I did have a because I was we dumped the bags we dumped our bags in well I dumped my bag because mine was the heavy bag uh, she was only traveling with hand luggage I dumped my bag in a baggage store in the central station so I was only carrying hand luggage as well at this point and I did have a change of clothes but that change of clothes happened to be a very long daisy themed dress uh, skirt, effectively. <laughs> so if you can imagine someone who looks like me, tall, wearing purple hair and a yellow T-shirt, <laughs> denim dungarees and a daisy skirt going into a cathedral. <laughs> I um, mean, you're in the letter of it, if not exactly the spirit of it. <laughs> I'm keeping my knees covered. It was fine. Um, Plasters over the knees, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was it was fine. Um, 
so yeah i'm did anyone notice no did anyone care no yeah so i mean i, I i'm not the most observant of people yeah. um laura is but we haven't had that conversation um mm. so i don't know if i don't know what people's reactions were to seeing me going around a cathedral wearing a daisy skirt but nobody but, actually said anything to you no nobody actually said anything to me yeah no. i suppose that's all that really matters like you can think yeah. whatever you like but keep it to yourself <laughs> well yes yes um and we had some interesting conversations on the um on the uh, all inclusive resort in Cyprus, but that's for another pod. Okay. Ooh. So we won't, we won't dig more down into that. But in general, you felt fairly safe in your presentation when you were in Italy. Yes. I mean, I didn't push it too much, but that's more because by that point, more of my gender quirky clothing was actually dirty. So I was, yeah. I was, I was on my other clothing, which tended to be more masculine including a pair of knee-length denim short type thing so capri length denim shorts that i've noticed when i got back have a huge hole in the crotch <laughs> i'm hoping that that hole happened on my way back when they were in my luggage rather than <laughs> when i was in italy because no one told me no one noticed so i'm well, just hopeful that it didn't look that that it wasn't there and I wasn't just embarrassing myself. Well, I haven't noticed a hole in your trouser area in any of the videos that I've edited for you. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it happened just as you got back to your hotel room or something. <laughs> yeah, I, as I say, I'm, I'm hoping it happened while it was in luggage on the way back where I didn't have to worry <laughs> about it. But it's a huge hole and I'm not going to wear them again because I'm not going to repair them because there's no point. Yeah, and often the quality of the repair just means that it rips again anyway, doesn't it? Have you seen my sewing skills? <laughs> I, I'm just imagining dyspraxic sewing and deciding that that probably won't hold up. <laughs> quite. Although you do sew on quite a lot of patches and things, don't you? Yeah, like, although... I, I mean, no, I've got my new denim jacket. I was going to sew on some... Um, dubious pride flags to it but i've realized that it's actually easier if i use fabric glue mm -hmm. um because otherwise it'll just look wonder really web. get some wonder web actually that's a brand name other wonder webs are available i guess i don't know what wonder web is when it's not a brand name i've generally no idea either but if they want to sponsor me then i will continue <laughs> to use their name it's sicky stuff you iron on actually you with an iron might be as bad as you with a needle never mind I haven't used the mine since about 2003. Um, same, actually, and I've still got the scar from the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have clothes that need... Right. I, I had an argument with an ex-girlfriend about this, but I, I would say I don't have clothes that need ironing. Yeah, well, my friend says that her clothes don't feel clean unless she's ironed them, but none of my clothes ever require ironing because they're not that kind of fabric, so... My grandmother used to iron underpants. <laughs> Who is that for? <laughs> I, I, with hindsight, I suspect that was for her because she wanted to feel useful. Yeah. And yeah. not get bored. That's what I personally think. Um, but I yeah, she, she used to iron the pants and tea towels. At least 64 million things that I would rather do when bored than iron, but each to their own. <laughs> Why don't I? So, do you think looking back on your little trip now that you would go again uh 
I mean, Laura's already penciled it in for next year. So, yes. <laughs> Are you going to go to different places next year or the same ones again and see more stuff there? Or? I, I, I don't know. But one of the things that's that, that's kind of obvious is now that we've been there once, we know how to do it. We know how to get mm. around. We know what's worth seeing. We know what's not worth seeing. Um, mm -hmm. For the record, I mean, there were three villages, the three main touristy villages, Menaggio, Bellagio and Verena. And Bellagio is the famous one, but we didn't really think it was as good as the others. Mm. Um, we thought it was just, I mean, it was nice. It was very, it was pretty, but we thought the others were better. Yeah. So um, we'd probably spend more time in Menaggio and then just explore a couple of the other villages up and down the coast because the village we were in the village next to it its name i can't currently remember venno might be venno uh, the village next to it was small cute not that touristy but pretty in itself it's not the sort of place that you would specifically go to necessarily but if it was on your doorstep it's a really nice place just to be yeah so you didn't so. feel like you were running out of things to do and getting bored well i mean we as I say, on the way back, we, we had a like a two hour ferry ride down the entire eastern channel of Lake Como. And it's just nice to be on the boat looking at the scenery and just, you know, having the wind in your hair and all of those cliches. Um, it was quite windy. Didn't lose my hat. Nearly did. Um, impressed that you came back with your hat, to be honest. I'm you didn't think you went to lose your hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, just just. Even just sailing up the lakes is um, very pleasurable. Mm. Um, yeah. And then just walking around the village because there's there's a couple of footpaths that go along parts of the lake and they're just sort of nice to wander through and you get to go through the woodlands and you get to go by the lakeside and through the villages and cobbled streets and old churches and things like that. That does sound pretty idyllic, to be honest. It That's is. the sort of like calmness that I want from... A holiday but you also said it was quite touristy did it feel busy or did it feel small villagey um i mean so i mean obviously bellagio felt very busy verena felt busy at the time we were there but then we were there at lunchtime i think if we'd have gone to verena sort of early morning it would have been a lot nicer nicer yeah. is the wrong word uh, a lot less yeah. a lot less full um because menaggio we went menaggio we went we sort of got there about 10 o'clock in the morning and it was very nice not very big, mm. but very nice. Yeah. And so I think if with more time, we just explore some of the other towns and villages that we we would see on from the boat or see from the bus and go, oh, that's really nice. Let's uh, spend some time there. There was one and I, I don't even know if I remember the name of it, but there was one between um, Asuccio and Menaggio that we passed through on the bus on the way up to Menaggio. And we saw it on the ferry on the way back. But we didn't manage to get there. We didn't manage to, to visit it. So next time we'll just go to that villages like that. That sounds really nice. So who would you recommend the trip for if you were making recommendations? Is it something that as a single traveller, solo traveller you would do? Is it more geared up for like families or retirees? Or I mean, everywhere can be done solo. Everywhere can be done with someone. Everywhere can be done in a group. Um, I think it's... I mean, it's not a party place, so mm. bear that in mind. Um, so I think it would generally cater for a more older audience. Yeah. Um, you have to like scenery and you have to like, I would say you have to like the outdoors and you have to like walking. 
It's and have to cope with hills, I guess. Uh, I mean, yes. Let's be honest. Yes, because <laughs> I mean, even the even the villages like Bellagio on the on the seafront seafront on the lakefront itself, there's only so much you can do without climbing a hill because the hills are that close to the lakeside. So yeah, pretty it much might be a bit of a nightmare if you have a pushchair or a wheelchair or something like that. Then I don't think. I mean, that's sort of thing. I don't think you could visit some of them in a wheelchair because the passageways are too narrow. Yeah. And there's too many tourists in those passageways. And also some of the cobbled streets are going to be a bit harsh on the wheels. Oh, yeah. That would be horrible, yeah. actually, being jolted around like that yeah. on cobbles. <laughs> I would, I mean, not being a wheelchair user, I can't say this for certain, but I would say the ferries are all right because it's it's pretty much step-free access. But yeah. The actual villages themselves could be a bit tricky to to explore deeper into them. Mm. So, so you're thinking it's sort of trip that you would take if you just want to chill out, relax, enjoy the scenery, and you don't have to push anybody around. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it, it's it's a very it's a very it'd be a great place to go writing. Um, I think because it'd be just you could do stuff in the day and then in the evenings. Because our hotel in Osuccio had, as I say, it had the view over Lake Como and there was a small balcony. So you could sit outside and just look and watch. Yeah, that and, sounds and, like really, actually. Just sit yeah. there and people watch and write some stuff. Do a little yeah. bit of art. Yeah. Well, that is me run out of questions already, actually. So um, people will get to see videos from your Italy trip on your YouTube channel, which yeah. is youtube.com forward slash at RTW Barefoot. And yes. the your Cyprus ones are already up there, aren't they? Uh, I don't know. I'm asking you because you're the one that puts them there. Yes, they are. I'm pretending I'm asking a question, but I know the answer, really. They are up there. <laughs> and and well, you're... Only the shorts are. There's a couple of long-form videos that I will... In a few weeks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but your shorts, I believe you've just flown out of Cyprus in your shorts and so are heading to Italy tomorrow. Yeah, huh exciting stuff so if people want to go and see the things that you've been talking about they, they, you've got some gorgeous views of lake como going up on there and they will obviously be staying on there for the mm -hmm. foreseeable so people will be able to go and have a look at those i think i've also got some video from the boat yes you have there and back again you've got a whole short just about that which is from the boat um, <laughs> down lake como which is lovely and yeah. um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that the people that you can hear talking in the background are not saying anything rude because I don't understand the language that they said and I couldn't fade them out properly. So, <laughs> uh, surely fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a really interesting chat. I'd never heard about Lake Como before we decided to talk about it. So, that was really interesting. And yeah, it looks really gorgeous from the videos that I've seen of it. So, yeah, that sounds like somewhere I would like to go as well. Excellent. Yes, I'm sure you'd like it. I'm sure you'd appreciate the, the chillness of it. Yeah, it sounds like the sort of place that you go when you genuinely want to relax and unwind. Yes, and it's also the place you go if you're rich. Um, it's, it's, one of those, it's, one of the, it's one of those places where, you know, you, you might, you know, see, a, we didn't, but you might see like a movie star or something. It's that sort of, that sort of vibe. Well, darn it, that's me out. <laughs> You have a YouTube channel. You're a YouTube star. I mean, what can I say? 
I'll have to see if I can black some free holidays too. <laughs> this wasn't a free holiday. No, that one wasn't, was it? But was your Cyprus one entirely funded? Uh, yes. Oh, that's pretty good. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we next talk. Because um, I think you're going to do a whole podcast on Cyprus as well, aren't you? I'm doing a whole podcast on all-inclusive resorts, uh, of which that will be a large part of, yes. Because yeah, I've never stayed in one before, so it's a, that was an entirely exciting experience. You had a lot of first experiences on this trip, in yeah. general. Um, all very exciting stuff, but I will let you, because a lot of them happened in Cyprus, I will let you talk about those on your Cyprus podcast as well. Awesome. That'll be out next week, hopefully. Yeah, and is it today that this one's coming out? Um, if I pull my finger out of my backside and get motivated enough, I've got a, an entire bottle of iron brew next to me, so hopefully if I drink that, I'll be motivated. Um, I would recommend washing your hands in between pulling them out and starting your work, but yeah. yeah. Uh, don't do drugs, kids. Um, uh, hmm. Feed me Adderall or feed me death. Um, <laughs> I hopefully will have it out tomorrow at the latest. I have to, really, because I'm away at the weekend. Yeah. Where are you going this time? Manchester with Laura, obviously. Very compared to Milan, but, you know. Um, they're both very similar cities. They're both quite old cities. They're both Roman cities, and they both have two football teams. Oh, so I'll, I shall see if we can get uh, some questions about Manchester as well, then. Interestingly, uh, the two of the football teams are playing each other in, 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 in June in the final of the European Champions League in the yeah. men's competition anyway. So there's a lot of similarity between Milan and Manchester. Did you say that's in June? Uh, 10th, of, 10th of June, I think. Yeah, so in the middle of Pride Month as well, and Manchester usually goes all out for that too. So Manchester's going to be crowded in June. Yeah, that's why I'm not going. That's why we're, we're going. We're going on Saturday because um, we are. Yeah. I still don't know how to end a space, so I'll uh, just. I've run out of questions now. <laughs> I will end the space then. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy your trip at the weekend. Tankings. Bye bye. Bye. I hope this is recorded. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Tales from Beyond the Brochure. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave a review on your podcast site of choice. Travel Tales from Beyond the Brochure was written, presented, edited and produced in the Glasgow studio by the Barefoot Backpacker. The theme music is Walking Barefoot on Grass, bonus by Kai Engel, which is available via the Free Music Archive and used under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International Licence. Previous episodes are available on your podcast service of choice and show notes are available on my website, barefoot-backpacker.com. If you want to contact me, tweet me at rtwbarefoot, email me at info at barefoot-backpacker.com or look for me on Instagram, Discord, YouTube or Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for my newsletter and if you really like what I do, you can slip me the cost of a beer through my Patreon in return for access to rare extra content. Until next time, have safe journeys. Bye for now. <laughs>